Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener, your host, Ken Lane, here every week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona. And I, through through all the festivities, the New Year's and Christmas gatherings and dinners, uh, grandkids, playing with dogs, I did get some gardening done. And I, I really wanted to focus on one area of my personal gardens that I kind of have problems with. It's a, it's a wild area. It's got uh, wild uh, vines growing up, like uh, akebia. It's got some vines growing up a wall, like ivies. It's got uh, yarrows, this wild, natural, uh, blooming yellow flower. It's so robust. It's got wild oaks in there. I've got a problem in this area because, yeah, it's a native section, but where the runoff is and the irrigation goes, it stays moist. So I have a problem with snails and slugs. And so I really wanted to open up my perennial areas, the areas lower to the ground, at the base of these vines where the snails kind of gather and, and open it up so it's exposed to the cold. I want it to, I want the ground to freeze solid if I can, uh, killing off the eggs and the snails. And so I took my hedgers and I took a lawnmower in there, so lowered it down to just above ground level. And just, I mowed those perennials right down to the ground, within an inch of the ground. And lo and behold, I did not see them out there, but th- those snails, I found living snails down tucked underneath in the base of these yarrows. And they were just waiting there in stasis, just waiting to, for it to get warm enough to where they can lay, like one snail or slug can, can lay a thousand eggs. It's ridiculous how fast that they can reproduce. And so I have struggled. I put baits out and stuff, and I, I know part of this is just gardening. I know how to deal with it. But I can be strategic with how I clean up the yard this time of year. And partly, I would like to expose some of my garden soil so it does get cold. And so snails and slugs are my nemesis in this part of the gardens. Down lower across the other part of the property, down the other side of the dry wash, I have problems with leaf disease. I get curling, spotting, leaves uh, get, get kind of tinged and they turn yellow and just drop off. And so in that part of the gardens, it's different. There I'm trying to clean that area up. I'm raking it clean. I don't want any of those old leaves to stay there. I'm raking those up, bagging them so that I don't have that disease coming from that old leaf getting to the ground and then repopulating, coming back on to that garden, back onto that tree or shrub or rose, um, and then reinfected again next spring. So it's a perpetual problem for some of us in some parts of the gardens. If you know that, this is where you can take advantage of the winter. Winter does kill off some insects, thins out the eggs, gets rid of some of the disease if you can prepare ahead of time. So I'm strategically trying to take out or or work on some areas of my garden ahead of others. I've got a half acre. It's not huge. And it's, it's pretty lush. I mean, it looks like a garden center owner probably lives here. And they do. 
It's beautiful. Everyone comments, goes, wow, how'd you pull this off? It's all man-made. Most of it. I take the foundational natives that are, that are there naturally in the, in the backyard, and then I accessorize. I add two. So I never take out those natives unless they're in the wrong place. I had an oak that I struggled for two years to get it out of there because it was just growing up in the middle of my flower bed. I'm going, that is just, that's, I don't want you there. And so it's, it's gone. But usually I'll use the bones or the structure of the natives that are there. Then I accessorize. Well, then I put drip irrigation and other stuff in there to kind of help keep everything healthy, blooming, strong. Well, if you do that well, some things start to be attracted to your gardens, and that would be birds. I, I like that. I love butterflies. I don't like snails and slugs, grasshoppers, leafhoppers, thrip, aphids, all these things that kind of, they live under the leaf litter down under at the base of these plants. So I'm trying to rake those up, clean them, cut back, clean up, prune back uh, the areas so that they're exposed to the cold. And so I find I have less issues next spring. And you can do the same thing. Uh, my, my leaf disease stuff. So if you've got, let's say, a, a rose, it's a classic, gets powdery mildew. Uh, what else gets powdery mildew? Sometimes uh, honeysuckles can get powdery mildew. So there's this white uh, powdered disease it's not an insect. It's something that feeds off the sugars of the leaf and just like a bacterial fungal thing. And so if you see that, what you can do is as you're cleaning up this spring, as you're pruning things back, you can strip off all of the foliage. Like a rose will have some leaves left, but kind of, it's kind of semi-deciduous. It dropped most of its leaves, but it's got a few left. There, as I'm cleaning things up, I'll rake all those spent leaves in the heart or the cane or that, that graft where the rose is. I want to get all that opened up. I want to expose that. I want to strip off all the remaining leaves and rake that stuff up and don't compost them. Throw them in the dumpster. Burn them in the burn pile. Get rid of them. Get, rid, get them off your property because those have the spores that are coming back at you next spring. Aspens. Aspens were notoriously difficult this, this, this last year. They got this brown leaf spot. It's a disease. It's like athlete's foot of the foliage. It's the same stuff. And so they don't make a athlete's foot spray for what well, they do for, for aspens, but when they're so big, they're hard to deal with. So as they leave, as they drop those, those leaves, don't let them sit down at the base. You want to clean up methodically the base of all that foliage, and then throw those things away because a bird will come in next spring. Just as the new leaves are forming on that aspen. Peck around the bottom, get some of this disease on the bottom of their feet, jump back up on the, and instantly it comes right back on the next spring's foliage and you fight it all year long. Clean up. Cleanliness is next to godliness. I know that's not biblical for you theologians, but it sure sounds good when it comes to... Uh, to, to gardening, cleanliness is next to godliness. It, it does actually make a difference in your yard. But for me, where I kind of come back around, I was pruning back some of my perennials specifically for snails and slugs. If you were to bait them right now, they're so slow, they probably wouldn't even find the bait. They're just sitting underneath waiting for things to come back. Last year, I was digging out digging underneath one of my big roses, uh, Cecil Bruner. It's a great big climbing, spreading rose. Thinning that thing back, and at the base I found an entire colony 
of aphids. Thousands of them. It was freakish. And so I was just raking things up. And so now I, I go, oh, they like to they like to winter over underneath here. Huh. I think I'll rake up really well under here, rough up that leaf mold and shredded bark and things I have underneath just so it can get exposed to the cold and hopefully thin them out. And lo and behold, I didn't have many aphids on my Cecil Bruner roses last on any roses last year. It was good because I ran across them and knew what to do. There, I ran across that colony. It's like the ground was moving underneath. I raked off some leaves, and all of a sudden, the ground is moving with thousands of aphids. It was spooky. Um, there, I actually took a spray, and I went, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm, you're exposed by death and decay and frost and freeze. I'm going to go after you. So look for that kind of stuff, the damage. As you're pruning things, prune off the damaged limbs because probably it was damaged because of insect in, uh, um, problems last summer or disease issues last summer. Start with cleanup. Start with taking off the dead branches and stuff. Then you can go ahead and when I'm done with all the cleanup, all the pruning at the end of this month, pretty much I'll be done with my core pruning. Then I'll hose down the entire yard with a horticultural oil. It's heavier gauged oil. It's organic. I put it in a hose and sprayer. This is one of those things. Uh, quantity is better than, than quality. You just want to hose down everything, especially if you saw some issues. So that's what I sprayed those aphids with, especially if you had issues with grasshoppers or leafhoppers or aphids last year. Spray them with a horticultural oil. When you're all done pruning and getting things done, a lot, lot in store for you this week. Let me take a break. We'll bring Lisa in with your garden questions after this. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. As the days get longer and brighter, houseplants can struggle and scorch, but we have the solution. At Waters, we've organized our houseplants from A to Z for the brightest of sunny locations, many even bloom. With experts that know plants and how to make them grow. Shipments of the freshest houseplants in town have just arrived from A to Z and ready for a bright new home. Waters Garden Center. For people who love bright green houseplants, they love to shop. Found in Prescott. Hi, Lisa with the Plants of the Week and our Goshiki Holly. Goshiki translates from Japanese as holly with five colors. Its new leaves emerge red, then turn green. The entire top of this holly is draped in colors of cream, white, gray, yellow, and green. This evergreen makes the perfect accent, hedge, or evergreen container for its all-round good looks. A really nice plant that shines through winter is just $39. Waters Garden Center, where people who love Japanese gardens, they love to shop. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. And we are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week with your garden questions. What's going on? What are other people asking? And we just share that over the airwaves. So welcome to the studio, Lisa. Thank you. And Happy New Year, by the way. Yes. 2021. Woohoo! It's got to be better, right? Yeah. You should go watch <laughs> a boot drop with me. They canceled it. I know. Still. 
<laughs> I, we're too old to be out. Well, I can't say that. Be out in the cold, drinking, whatever. <laughs> I can't dress warm enough for that mid- midnight, 10 o'clock, whatever they do in Prescott. Yeah, anyway. I think they do. Well, they were doing it to talk, like 10 o'clock and 12 o'clock because they know there's a lot of old people right. can't stay up till midnight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just, I, I don't know. I'd rather be in my comfy chair with the seat warmer on watching the New York drop. It, yeah, I, I can't stay up that late anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. You early you are an early riser, you and your dogs. Yes. Well, Vincent, he decides at five o'clock he I'm needs ready to, to eat. eat. <laughs> it's a Labrador for you. <laughs> so but that's okay. I don't mind getting yep. up early. Yeah. yeah. So garden questions. Yeah. Uh, it's January. Is there anything yeah. going on in the gardens? Maybe, well, you know, uh, people are thinking ahead. They're yeah. looking forward to what they can and should be doing. So, yeah. You know what I saw over last week or just right before Christmas? There were lots of, there were no cut trees out. People were buying living trees. Mm-hmm. And lot, so lots of new home builders, oh, yeah. new home folks. Like every person was just new to the area mm-hmm. and looking, researching, maybe not getting a Christmas tree at all, just here, Seeing what's trying to figure there. out mm-hmm. what uh, what evergreens will grow here. Mm-hmm. So it's a good time to shop for evergreens because it's winter. Right. You'll see what they look like yeah. in winter. Uh-huh. And you can plant them now. It's just mm-hmm. fine. So yeah. it was a phenomenon, something unique uh, this year. A lot year. of new people in the area. So yeah. nice to have them in. Yes. So our first question, though, is from Doug. He wants to put in wildflower seed. He wants to know when's the best time to be doing that. What's your soil prep? (laughs) And then his last question is, how much sun, direct sun, do wildflowers need? So there's a whole show on just that question, (laughs) Doug. I mean, just if I can answer it in 90 seconds or less. Mm -hmm. Uh, January is your time to put wildflowers out. So you want to put wildflowers out in winter Mm -hmm. while it's cold. So this is especially for wild flowers. Many of the wild seeds have very heavy husks, outer shells, and they need this freeze and thaw cycle to crack that hull open so the seed inside can actually get out. Mm -hmm. That's why it's critical. If you've had failures in the past, you waited too long in your past winter and you found it just didn't germinate. Well, yeah, the the California poppies were out there. They just waited until... The next year, the birds didn't get them, and they germinated the following year. So January, great time. Now going back to soil prep. There's not a lot. Wildflower seed are wild. They'll grow on their own. The mistake I find people make, wildflower seed, if you get a good mix, Mm -hmm. it's like gold. I mean, they're expensive because they're so selective, and they're, they're probably harvested from your neighborhood or up in that mountain range. And so these are wild seed, and they're local, and they're, they're favored. Well, you don't want to just chuck them over your hill, and hopefully they grow up, because that's, na- that's how nature does it. Right. Uh, well, nature has millions of seed they throw out, <laughs> and if only 10% comes up, they're fine with that. Yeah. It still looks glorious. You want 99% of your seed to come up. So a little bit of prep mix goes a long ways. If you're on a hillside, Good little pockets in between the boulders or the shrubbery and make little areas where you can see the soil. Rake that out. Get all the dirt, the the, you know, the rocks, the debris, the, the branches. Mm-hmm. Rake some of that out so the seed can actually be received by the earth itself. Not the leaf litter up right. top, not, not crushed granite. You want it to actually get, be swallowed up by the soil so you get better germination. Also, this hides those seed from the birds. Birds have a ferocious appetite this time of year. 
You folks with bird feeders out there, you know, uh, suet feeders, you see them just gobble this stuff up because their natural sources are, are, are reduced in midwinter. Mm-hmm. And so they'll be attracted to that. If they can find the seed, they will eat it and you won't have a single flower come up. So to have it received by the soil is important. So you'll rake that soil up, let's say a big flower bed. You're going to do a thousand square feet of wildflowers. We've got seed for that. You rake that soil up to scarify it, to open up the soil. You're going to spread your seed down. And then usually afterwards, I'll take a, a bag of mulch or something real fine. We've got a premium mulch. It's screened down a quarter inch minus, very fine. I'll put some of that on top of it, mainly to ensure I get more seed contact, but then also to keep the birds off. But what I'll do afterwards, I'll take the, the stiff tined rake with the tines up. I'll just scooch that soil back and forth with the mulch. And that'll ensure that my seed just gets tumbled into this light mulch soil seed mix. Mm-hmm. And you'll have so many wildflowers, you won't know what to do with it. it. And they'll come up in waves. They'll start coming up the end of February. And you'll see more different varieties come up in March. And then more in April. And then more in May. If you get a good mix, mm-hmm. it'll be spectacular for months. How much should you, do you water it when you first put it in and then water it after that? Or do you just wait to see what comes up? So I never water? wait. As a gardener, I just don't like nature. I, don't <laughs> wanna, I want more control than that. Uh-huh. And so up here, hopefully you want snow. That'd be perfect. Uh, if you could put down your wildflower seed and then have it snow, oh, that's like yeah. the best. So saturate in there and really get it, go, get it moist. Mm-hmm. If you don't see if it's dry and, and warm, Go ahead and water it. Mm-hmm. Don't overdo it. So maybe you water it in real good when you put it out there and then wait two, three weeks and do it again. So usually there's enough. And it's just enough, kind of a sprinkle yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah moistening things up to, mm-hmm. to keep things healthy. And most of your wildflower seed prefers the full sun unless it's specifically kind of stating a shade, shade mix. Yeah. Right. I'd say, I would say at least four hours of sun for the most flowers, mm-hmm. better color. Uh, there are some actual shade mixes, mm-hmm. and these are the foxgloves, and some, right. some things are more specific to shadier areas. So it just depends. Come talk to us. We have a wild grass mix. We've got a meadow mix, so it's grasses with a few flowers. So we've got we've created several mixes you can put out there, but they're all good to be put out sometime in January, early February. Okay, good to know. All right, Jody wants to know when she can plant bare root roses in this area. And when do we start carrying them? Yeah, so bare root roses will start showing up at garden centers any moment. Um, don't be in a crazy rush to buy them from your local retailers here in the mountains because bare root don't transfer very easily. They're hard to actually grow. Yeah. So you'll have a death rate of probably about 50-50. So we actually don't. We stop selling them here at the garden center, Waters Garden Center, mm-hmm. just because they're so difficult to grow. We don't. We, we sell garden success, not frustration. <laughs> And so what we've done is we potted ours up last year, re- fully rooted them. And so now we've got this peat pot that has a bare root rose in it, but it's fully rooted. So now we get a 100% success rate. And usually we'll start usually about Valentine's Day. So you're just a touch early. Mm-hmm. But in a few weeks, and we'll bump that up if we think it's warm enough. But usually mid-February, we'll start bringing those in. It's usually the exotic new varieties, things you're seeing about ARS winners, all that new new purple you've never seen before. It glows in the dark. <laughs> those are the ones we'll have early. We'll grow a, a whole nother series that will land usually the end of April, 
sometime. We'll look at the weather, and all of those will have a thousand roses or more show up all at once, and they're all in bloom. I mean, every single, they're full on bushes in full bloom, and it's just a hoot. If you're a gardener, even if you're not a gardener, <laughs> it's just down. exciting to see, right. and it's full spring at that point. So yeah. that's kind of your rose. Sequence right. here in the mountains, of Arizona. A little different say, in the mountains. Yeah, all the mm-hmm. towns in the up in the high country. Right. It's going to be the same sequence. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's sneak another one in from Andy. They're adding a new garage. There is a about a four foot tall pinion pine smack dab where the garage is going to go. Yeah. His question is, what are the chances of moving it successfully? Is it worth trying? So yeah, it's worth trying. It's fun to see gardeners just like to see if you can do it. Uh, the odds are stacked way against you so before you do that come see us andy and we'll, we'll show you I'll give you a few techniques but pinion pines they die almost nine nine out of ten times but if you're a gardener and it's four foot it's probably easier to handle get as much root as you can get your soil prepped where it's going to go have that done before you try to move it so it's exposed the air as short as possible and the secret is Come in and get some root and grow. Mm-hmm. We make a transplant shock thing. It is going to go into serious shock that's probably going to force it to die sometime in June or July. But, yeah, it's worth a try. Why not? I mean, it just kind of didn't cost cost you half a day to try it. Right. And a, and a bottle of root and grow and see if it works. And, <laughs> and it could work, actually. So but more, more than likely, I don't want to get your hopes up, Andy. It's probably <laughs> not going to work. Ken and Lisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners will be right back. You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. The Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Not everyone can grow wildflowers, but we'll make sure you're not one of them. At Waters, we know which wildflowers sprout, thrive, and bloom with success. We're wild about wildflowers with many of our own Arizona blends. Like our Arizona native mix, butterfly and hummingbird mixes, and all are big, bold, and beautiful. At Waters, we know wildflowers, and winter's a season to spread new seed. Waters Garden Center, where people who love their flowers wild, they love to shop for seed. Hi, Lisa with the Plants of the Week and our Prescott Alberta Spruce. This perfectly shaped tree displays dense green needles which are as soft as a teddy bear. The perfect front yard Christmas tree for holiday lighting and oh, so beautiful when matched in pairs at the front door. Hand grown, these are perfectly shaped and sized for home accents and just $69. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Where people who love twinkly little Christmas trees, they love to shop. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. I did have uh, several customers we're coming in. Now, we were close between Christmas and New Year's. We opened back up on Monday. We start ramping back up. Deliveries are already coming. Even while we were closed, I had to come in, and the 2021 pottery was being delivered. So we just got it off the truck in the parking lot. We'll unload it this next week. But spring is starting to happen. It starts slow, but it starts to happen. So this week, it was houseplants. It was pottery start showing up. And so we're, we're starting to keep that 
Garden Essence Live. One thing I did notice was that fungus gnats inside the house. There's this little tiny black gnat flying around, and it's irritating, folks. I can tell you where it came from. Probably you brought home a poinsettia or a Christmas cactus or amaryllis or something, some some garden, some nursery didn't keep their greenhouses clean enough. This is cleanliness is everything in a greenhouse. They had an outbreak, but the poinsettia crop looked pretty good. So I went, oh, we'll just take them to your supermarket or to your wherever box store and they'll never know. And so all of a sudden you brought home going, oh, this, this is so pretty. And all of a sudden you got these fungal gnats showing up. Those are called fungus gnats. They live in the soil of your usually holiday, holiday plants. If they show up this time of year, it's probably from all those holiday plants. Not so much that cut Christmas tree that you brought in. Probably not a living Christmas tree because it was outdoors in the cold. These are insects that like to be warm. They're tropical. So they come out of the deserts or they come in from greenhouses. And so you brought them in from those holiday plants, probably. Um, bromeliad, something like that. They're living in the soil. If you see that, they're easy to solve, but you got to be proactive on it. Don't tolerate these. They, they fly into your iPad when you're reading in the morning. Just They're attracted to light. Kind of a nuisance. They don't really bother you, but they bother your houseplants tremendously. If you see that, we've got a, a, a granular, it's called uh, systemic granules. It's like a fertilizer. You sprinkle it on top of the soil, water it in, and as that uh, systemic goes through the soil layers, it kills the maggot off or fly. It's a fly. So it's larval stage is a maggot. The maggots eat your eat the roots on your plants and they can actually kill the plant. And they're very social. They'll tend to gather around one plant. When it gets too competitive, they'll quickly fly off, go lay eggs into the next plant so they can slowly take over an entire living room. You can lose entire, like, full-on 10-foot-tall dracaenas or ficus just because a fungus gnat infestation got in there. Pretty serious. Go ahead and treat it with systemic granules. Very inexpensive, like under 20 bucks. One application usually does it does it for a year because it's systemic. It'll actually help you with ciliads and different kinds of aphids, different kinds of bugs that get on houseplants. It'll wipe out all of those for up to a year. It's pretty effective. And so it has a little bit of a an odor to it. So I like to do it in the morning, leave, come back, and by the end of the day, it's all done. So if, it, if you're really sensitive, you take it to the garage, treat it out there, bring it in the evening kind of thing. So fungus gnats, though, they are active. We're seeing it at the garden center. There's a solution to it. Just don't, don't ignore it, or it can really become a problem in your gardens. I would say also houseplants... It's time. The days have gotten so short that the leaves are starting to turn yellow or if they just look damaged at all, go ahead and pick those off. As we get longer days here, so it's gonna get it's gonna get nice now. Your plants are gonna respond and so you can set the stage for new growth, fresh new growth, in the house even. And so it's time to start thinking through cleaning those things up. And so I've been cleaning some of mine up, shaping them light pruning, kind of a haircut, basically. Then I'll fertilize them with a, a root and grow is what I'm using. It's a houseplant food. It's actually a composted tea. So it's all organic. You steep some tea, you create this organic, it's kind of brown. It's like a, it's like compost syrup almost, but plants love it. Well, I developed it years ago for 
a transplant shock out in the yard, but boy, does it make a great houseplant food, a tremendous cacti, succulent food, seedling starch. Now, seedlings are so sensitive. They want to die. They get too dry, too moist. They're just, they're looking to die. Uh, you don't want to fertilize them with anything too strong. It's a real good light organic fertilizer. So I, I would think too, you could probably at this point, if you're hardcore gardeners, you could probably start seedlings inside, especially the cool season crops. Things like broccoli and Brussels sprouts and uh, lettuce and spinach and all those cool seasons. Because you're going to be setting those things outdoors here in March, here in six, seven, eight weeks. You could start gardening outdoors. Uh, so that that's something to kind of start. Don't feel rushed, but if you've got your garden containers, you've gotten your seed, you've gotten so the 2021 seed, are they're at the garden center. You can start buying those things and strategically putting those things out. But those cool season veggies, cool season flowers, they need the frost at night to have them taste better, to bloom better. So if you put them out and wait too long and they're and it's warm out, they'll tend to bolt and they they shoot up too fast and they or the flavor goes off on that broccoli, cauliflower, spinach, lettuce. Got more in store for you, but we got Lisa Watersling coming in with your garden questions. After this, the Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations, guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. My living room feels so empty. Now that the Christmas tree is gone, the house just seems so blah. Brighten it up with a big, bold, beautiful plant from Waters Garden Center. Fill that cavernous space with tall tropicals, colossal cactus, and sizable succulents that bring the great outdoors indoors. Make a gorgeous green space you can enjoy all year, not just for a season. Unique, exclusive, one-of-a-kind houseplants found only at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Gardening and you don't know where to start? Waters In-Home Garden Service comes to you and identifies what you have and how to make it better. Design advice, water strategies, vegetable and flower gardens, soil and food needs, and problem solving. Always problem solving. You'll instantly be a better gardener. All for just $200 of expert time with a coupon to fill your garden dreams without ever leaving home. In-home garden consultations from Waters Garden Center. We can be at your home this week. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert, Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding, with a few of Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. And we are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. And uh, she comes each week with this segment, just hers. You get a different perspective on gardening. Uh, if you talk to 10 different gardeners, you usually get about... I don't know, 12, 15 different opinions on any garden subject just because there's different ways to look at gardening. Mm -hmm. So welcome back, Lisa. Thank you. Isn't it nice to have our house back? Uh, (laughs) It's quiet. (laughs) (laughs) All those dogs, all those kids. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah, it's okay. I find in my youth, it was, I could take it more, so... I didn't get as tired. Mm-hmm. You, you're wrestling kids, just just wrestling with a pack of dogs. Mm-hmm. You start at the end of the day, you're going, "Whoa, why do I feel so tight? What's going on with me?" <laughs> just uh, you go to bed a little early and throw on some some Frasier. 
I'll beat you. <laughs> I'm on like my, my fifth or sixth time watching that through. Oh, Very yeah. sad. But yeah, the, the, you have a whirlwind of activity and crazy and... Um, but then they all go away, and, and it's just, just us. Just, just us, kids. And our dogs. <laughs> we did book our first international flight yeah. for this year in November. We're thinking COVID will be all done. We'll all have a vaccine. We'll get mm-hmm. our passports all up to date and going. We're going to Israel and Jordan. So mm-hmm. Go see Petra and all the all the yeah. Middle East ancient sites. Going with some friends. Mm-hmm. I haven't booked our airline tickets, but we got the trip all booked. <laughs> so we're waiting to see... Probably I, have book that. Faith. I have faith that it'll be fine. Yeah, I do yeah. too. We got to be fine. By then, November, whew, if not. <laughs> we have a lot more to worry hole. about. I know. <laughs> oh, we booked our first uh, domestic flight for uh, Washington, D.C., yes. 4th of July. We got an agreement with our grandkids. When they turn 10, we mm-hmm. take them wherever they want to go. Just their grandparents, no parents, just them, just no other siblings, just them. It's a memory point for us right. when we try to articulate their strengths, their what they're good at. And mm-hmm. so our first grandson's turning ten. We thought, uh, he's kind of he's kind of this engineer type of kind mm-hmm. of person, very analytical. Cerebral. Take him to the Space and Air Museum. Take mm-hmm. him to Natural History, Washington DC Washington, style. Watch DC. the fireworks in a grand style. I'll see if I can go talk to a politician because he could be political science easy. Mm-hmm. Um so I think they're there over July. Do they go home? We ought to look I at that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll smart, talk to a staffer. Like, yeah. Who cares? He's not. At 10, they don't know who he they're talking about. He doesn't care. <laughs> but it's fun to go into the yeah. building as much yeah, as they let you in anymore. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, any gardening stuff going on? Well, uh-huh. you know, I just, um, so we're planning next year our trips and that kind of stuff. And I always figure January is a good time just to plan right because you're kind of cold you get some nice days you get some cold days you're not out a lot but it's a good time to to look ahead and plan so this is a good time to look and plan at your landscape your garden and kind of assess it and see what you want to be doing with it especially since we have so many people that are new into this area Um, and and gardening here is is different it really is different and people don't understand that until they start gardening in that here. truth yeah <laughs> just the water alone is different right. much less the sun and the soil and everything mm-hmm. else yeah so i mean i i kind of jotted down a few things that i thought oh these are things maybe you start yourself dreaming thinking about what you want it to be what you want your yard to do and um, it's a great time to do it so it's a good time to, to look if you're going to be gardening so uh, vegetables that type of thing Maybe you want to put a raised bed in. So it's a good time to look at your yard and go, well, do I have room for a raised bed? Where would it go? Would it get enough sun? Um, So those are really important things to look at. And if you wait till last minute, you're not going to do it right. You'll be Uh, in a rush or you'll be competing with everyone else Mm -hmm. getting that garden block or timbers or soils. And and we ran out this last year. Mm -hmm. There wasn't enough. There's so many gardeners. There wasn't enough to go around. And so we were scrimping. Yeah. Bye sometimes. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do raised beds or containers, good time to look at that. If you yeah. want to put some fruit trees or berries in your yard, uh, great time to see where they would go because like, most of your berries want to bramble. Where could you put them so that they bramble? And your fruit trees, they want some nice sun. So you just kind of 
take a look at that and assess that if you want to be, uh, what do they call that, permaculture, where you're growing a lot of your yeah. food. Your landscape is edible, permaculture, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. So it's a good time to take a look at that. Also, if there's any changes you want to make to your yard, if you look at your yard right now and you see nothing but twigs, (laughs) you need to get some evergreens (laughs) in that yard. Very important to have evergreens. You just, it just makes the landscape and it gives you that basis, you know, for the rest of your landscape. So really important to look at that, especially here. There's so many rock yards, which I have my own opinion on, but um, you don't want, just rocks and twigs. No, no. It just looks barren. Right. Looks looks sterile. Yeah. yeah. So, and if you're thinking I need more evergreens, now is a great time to the garden center and look because everything we have pretty much is evergreen. Yeah. You know, so Scoot it's a good it. time to see how it looks in the winter time. Uh, so you can plan for that. Um, it's also speaking of that. It's a great time to come in and just chat with your nursery professionals because we're like the Maytag repairman. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. January, part of February, we're just like, uh, somebody going to call? Somebody going to come down and talk to us? Um, Take some pictures on your computer or your iPad and go, hey, this is what my yard's looking like, but I kind of want this here and that there. What do you think? Um, It's a great time to spend time to speak with a nursery professional because we have the time to do that. In spring, it's just they're stacked up three, four deep. Mm -hmm. You can only spend moments with each person right. and some folks are clueless they're going well i'm here and you're you're here to serve me right. no i'm here to serve you and all those other people <laughs> over there dude let's go let's go let's go yeah. now it's like oh can we can we can i talk to you longer can i see that picture again <laughs> it's totally changed right. yeah definitely <laughs> and so it's a good time just to, to come and chat think about it look at our website we have a great website thewatersgardencenter.com and under garden tips, you have what maybe fifty articles or more. Um, yeah, we, just we think of it as a website that is a five thousand back doors. Every subject you could think of, yeah. it's not. You just Google search it, and there's a search bar at the right. You know, javelina. Mm-hmm. It'll just come right up and show you all the javelina plants, right. articles, or podcasts, mm-hmm. videos that have been on that. It'll show you. So mm-hmm. it's 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 a it's an encyclopedia of local. Gardening, and you can look at the plants. Mm -hmm. So there's actual, you can hit the shop button, and we've created a store where you can just see all the plants that are sitting here on the ground right now. Mm -hmm. What's the price? What's the size? What are descriptions? Here's a picture, right uh, right there. So it's a great Mm -hmm. research tool. You're you're right. Oh yeah. So great time. You know, it's cold, windy. Sit on your computer and Google it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So just really a lot of good information, local information for that too. Um, it's also a really good time to kind of mark your calendar, whether it's a digital or you're like me and you like the old fashioned um, on the wall calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's always seasonality to yards, right? And it's good to kind of mark those things you remember to do them, you know, because you want to remember to put out your plant protector um, to protect against the scale. You want to remember to spray your horticultural oil. It's a good cleanup when you're pruning. Yeah. Um, you want to mark it f- to put down your weed and grass stopper. Uh, so you know when to put that down so that you're not plucking weeds out of your yard and spending time to do that. So it's just really um, important. And if you're not sure, there again, come talk to us, yeah. peruse the website. Um, all that information is there. And we can help you kind of mark what you should be doing throughout the year. Fertilizing, hugely important. Um, but people often just forget yeah. or don't think about it. And boy, we need that here. Yeah, there's one other way you could do it. Skip the calendar. 
and just tune in or stream this show <laughs> every week. We're That's here true. for you. We'll tell you what to do. But people aren't that consistent. We're, we live busy lives. You're off yeah. doing stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So there's a lot you can be doing this month, um, just relaxing, but also thinking ahead, the future and dreaming and um, thinking about what you want your yard to be, what you want to do with it. And, and just What I want fun. you to do is think about our side driveway because I want to dig up all those roses. I'm ah. tired of them not blooming. And as soon as I got trash can, I, I ran out of capacity this week. I think, well, I got all the Christmas trash this week. So next week, <laughs> I think I'm going to have some some capacity to dig those things up. Uh, We're going to replant that garden. It's going to okay. be fabulous this year. Fabulous. Fabulous, darling. Fabulous. Ken and Lisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners will be right back. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Did you know that plants can help you sleep better naturally? At Waters Garden Center, we have beautiful houseplants that not only look great, they clean the air we breathe. Get this. Some plants can actually produce oxygen at night and even take mold spores out of the air, making for less tossing and turning and more beauty sleep. Don't lose sleep. Rise and shine with unique, gorgeous houseplants for your best rest yet at Waters Garden Center. Sweet dreams. Hi, Waters with this week's Plant of the Week, our True Blue Fat Albert Spruce. At just 15 feet, this is the ideal evergreen for small gardens, excellent in front yards with limited space. The color is so blue all year long with the perfect evergreen shape and just $74. Dense, durable, and loves the sun, so it works well as a windbreak, screen, or sound barrier, and only found at... Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, for people who love the perfect blue spruce, love to shop. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. Let's just cover pruning hardcore. Let's go deep into pruning. What do you prune? When do you prune? How do you prune? I think I can take an entire segment and get you honed in. It's, it's time to prune. So the new year through the middle of March, that's your window to get most of your pruning done. So don't feel rushed, but you fe- should feel some urgency. But you don't have to get it all done at the same time. I, what I do is I'll go out and prune a little bit because it's exhausting. You're using power equipment and saws and pruners and just all kinds of stuff. And I've got fancy battery-operated pruners, big, long-handled loppers, battery-operated chainsaws that help me, but still, you're worn out at the end of the day. And so I'll kind of do, I go by trash cans. So most of this material I'm throwing into my city trash receptacle. And when it's full, I go, okay, I got enough, I'm done. If we have a big party and it's a lot of trash that week, I don't prune very much. If I've got a lot of capacity, I prune a lot. And I'll stomp on it and I try to get it going. So some things I'm focused on first fruit trees. You want to get these things pruned now in the winter. In the next, I would say six, eight weeks, six weeks, four weeks if you can. Sooner is better with fruit trees. Get them pruned back. Open up the center. You want to focus in specifically on suckers at the base that are coming up. You don't want, you only want one trunk coming up, not a bunch of 
branches because they, they take away from the mother plant. Then I'll look up and I'll try to go after anything that is broken, damaged, or dead. Focus in on that because some of these plants, you, you don't even know where to start. But if you focus in on the suckers, then move up to broken, damaged branch, things that are crossing into the inside or the heart of that plant. That's not good. You want it to grow out in a vase-shaped uh, area so that it's got airflow and, and it's got sunshine. It'll reduce the amount of insects. It'll reduce the amount of disease that gets into that plant. I mean, shot hole in plums and peaches and apricots is notorious. It's, a, it's just a bacteria that eats a hole in the middle of the leaf. It looks like you took a shotgun to that tree and just went right through it. So it's called shot hole. And it, it comes because of crossing branches and a dark heart of that plant. And it just is an easy, easy access to the sugars that grow inside this leaf. Well, if you know that's how that disease shows up, well, help your plants. We're gardeners. We're designed to work and help nurture plants so they're better than they could be by themselves. And so that's what you're focused on. By the time you get done pruning, the dead, broken branches, things growing obviously straight down to the ground or right to the heart of the plant. Just open that up. By then, you'll start to see the structure of the plant. You'll, you'll, get, you'll just get a feel for how it's supposed to look. You'll see a lopsided branch going, oh, it needs to come back a little bit. It's just growing to one side. Let's, let's shape this thing up so it's a landscape feature and it produces and it blooms and it does something else for you. Plants should do more than just one thing. And so if you're doing with fruit trees, it should produce fruit, give you great flowers, give you great shade, and look beautiful in the yard. But you'll need to do a little bit of pruning for that. Focus in on those. Some things that I'm waiting on, I'm not in a rush to prune back my hedges, my evergreens. I'll wait to prune those till the very, very end. And here's why. Evergreens like red tip photinia, silverberry, eleagnus, cotoneaster, pyracantha, you know what they are. These are big shrubs. You want them us. Like big shrubs we hedge down. Sometimes they get overgrown like your junipers. Then you'll, you'll make a cut. You're trying to get it back. You're, you're cutting it back by up to a third of the foliage mass. That's what the book says. Well, now all of a sudden it's got all these cut branches. And if I prune them back right now, I get to look at that cut. It looks butchered almost for like two, three months. If I wait and prune those back in March, they're going to flush growth in March anyway. So it doesn't look so bad. It doesn't look pruned back as hard if I just stall a little bit. You prune back a fruit tree, you can hardly tell where the cuts are. So I'll focus in on those. Shade trees, your maples and oaks and um, the ash trees, locusts. Prune those things back. You can't tell when you've had a major cutback. And some of them need, like a locust, it wants to grow right down and then down to the ground. And so cut those things back so you can walk underneath it. Prune it up so you can park underneath it. Prune it up so it doesn't get in the way. Makes it easier for you. Makes it look more groomed, handsome, less disease. But focus in. If you don't know where to start, get rid of the suckers at the base of the tree. You should only have the main trunk. That's it. Focus on broken uh, things that were eaten by bugs last summer. Focus in on those because now they look, they're off-colored. They're broken. They've got cracks in them. Focus in on those. Then you go after things that are growing right to the ground or things that are growing inside, to the inside, trying to clog up this 
this shrub or this tree. Focus in on those. Once you get done with that, all of a sudden you'll go, oh, yeah, I'm almost done. I just got to shape this couple pieces out and I'm all there. Look what a beautiful tree that is. So it's easier than you think it is. And then if you make a mistake, I find most folks don't like cutting on their plants. And you should. I'm giving you permission. You need to. Um, If you make a mistake, you could fertilize your way out of it. You just fertilize right afterwards. So when you get done pruning the yard or that plant or that section of the garden, you're going to hose down the entire, all remaining structures, whether it's got foliage on it or not, you're going to hose it down with horticultural oil. It's a liquid, organic seed, uh, uh, egg killer. Kills off the eggs that were laid last summer. Kills off wintering insects that are there. It just cleans everything up so you're starting fresh. Yes, insects can fly in and kind of lay more eggs or come and attack the leaves, but they're coming from outside. I can at least start within my own gardens, nice, fresh, clean. So horticultural oil is what you do right afterwards. That's probably the end of January, 1st of February, when you're getting kind of finishing up your pruning. Then right after that, I'm fertilizing everything in the yard, all the the natives, all the trees, all the shrubs. I'm fertilizing everything. And if you happen to cut it back too short, that plant will grow with a vengeance. All of those root structures that were underneath there supporting all that bigger tree or bigger shrub, it's now supporting a smaller foliage mass. And so you'll get tremendous growth. So if you really, if you make a mistake in pruning, it's really leaving too much on. You didn't clean up enough the branches that are growing to the inside. You didn't rake up all the old leaves that are still have bugs, still have insect eggs, still have disease on them. You want to rake those things up and either add them to the compost pile, or if you know that they were diseased, throw them away, add them to the burn pile. You don't want them sitting around your, on your property so they come back and reinfect your plants. So clean up. It's important. Evergreens are a lot easier. That's another one that I really do want to prune back my pines, my spruce, my firs, my junipers. I want to prune those things back while it's very cold. While it's cold, the sap is not flowing. So now you can make a cut on a, let's say a ponderosa pine is the branch is coming out too far. You just just got to prune it up so you can walk underneath the doggone thing. Prune it off now, you won't have sap flowing out because it's cold. You won't have to put black pruning paint or tar over that cut. We do that later in the season because the sap is flowing. So it's flowing. We do that to seal off that wound and to keep insects and disease out of that cut. When winter, things aren't active. There aren't many bugs. There aren't, there isn't much disease. The sap isn't flowing out. So you really, it's easier by strategically pruning now while it's in the depths of winter, the coldest days, rather than waiting until March, April, May, when that sap is starting to grow, it's actually starting to elongate and grow more branches, you'll find certain plants bleed out a lot. Maples, they're notorious. Big crybabies. You get one little scratch on them. They're going to whine and bleed out. Give me a Band-Aid. Oh, my gosh. I'm so, I'm so hurt. It was just one branch. Give me a break. You needed this. You need more than that. If you don't be quiet, stop, stop running sap out. I'm going to cut you some more. In winter, you, they don't have, they're not even, they're not even conscious. Just make the cut. They'll hardly bleed. Pines, they're another one that bleed out a lot. Big crybabies. Cut them now. 
they'll have time to scab over before the sap starts to run back and forth. More in store for you, but uh, don't change that. I'll be right back after this. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott at 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Spring is the best time to be outdoors, garden, and create a personal oasis in your yard. If you don't know where to start, Waters Personal Garden Service allows you to book an hour of one-on-one time with an expert without the crowds. It's easy by phone or through our website. No lines, no waiting. Purchase a $200 gift card and we'll line you up with one of Waters' private gardeners. You're going to love your yard again. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott or at watersgardencenter.com. Let's talk poop. Hey, I'm Tommy at Waters Garden Center. Ken and Lisa are out right now, so I snuck in to remind you that it's time to add some manure to your garden. It's been a wet winter, and your soil is, well, pooped. Waters Barnyard Manure adds nutrients to get your garden growing. It's organic and odorless, so we really can say our poop don't stink. Buy six bags or more. They're only $5.99. Now that's a load of crap. Tommy, what's going on? Oh, poop, gotta go. Natural, safe, odorless, and organic at Waters Garden Center. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. Let me see if I can wrap this pruning thing up. We're going over shade trees and fruit trees. We've done perennials, shrubs, evergreens, hedges. One thing to, to be wary of, or, or one thing, just personal experience, School of Hard Knocks, my name's Ken. We're just friends. We're neighbors talking over the back fence, and this has kind of hit me in the wrong place, or my garden's wrong place. Don't feel in a rush to prune roses. Those should be pruned back in March, not November like they do in, in Phoenix, not in January like they do in Southern California. Here we wait till the worst of winter is over. Then we prune it back. One year I'd pruned back in February. The weather was nice. Pruned back all my roses. And then it got cold. I mean, just really cold the end of February, first part of March. And it killed off a couple of my roses. You want to keep that structure up. Keep the canes up that help protect the heart of that rose where the grafts are. And so that's if you prune it back too soon, you could, I guess, recover if it gets, if you see it going down to nine degrees, you could probably throw a bag of cedar bark or mulch over the heart of that and keep it alive. But why? You could have just waited two weeks and pruned in March and been fine. So just school of hard knocks. Another one I've had a struggle with, or I'd planted some new salvia gregii or autumn sage. It's a beautiful little shrub. Gets about knee high, has red flowers, actually, I guess, red, pinks, purples, whites, some of them, but the hummingbirds love them. It's a very drought-hardy plant, but it's a borderline plant. It's actually a zone, late 7B, 8 is where it's actually zoned for. Well, my gardens, I've got zone 7s, a 6B. It kind of depends on where you're at. I had planted a fresh new salvia, and I pruned it back real early. Again, I thought, this is a tough plant. It's dormant. Nothing can kill it. Well, I was wrong. Uh, again, I pruned it back. It exposed the heart of it. It was still young. The roots hadn't really developed. And so a cold winter came and just killed it. Just 
just obliterated it. It did not even try to come back from the roots. It was done. I find when I wait to prune back my salvias till the cold is over, you know, late February, March, I haven't lost one since. They're tough plants, but they're tough because they'll take the heat. They keep blooming. They're, they're just great plants for here. But be careful when you prune them, especially if they're younger plants. The opposite of that, like Russian sage, this is beautiful little hip high shrub, kind of has this blue flower all summer and, and, and fall. You can't kill that. This thing is a weed. You could prune it back right now. Don't even worry about it. Expose the entire thing. Prune it right back to the ground. It's, you can't kill it. It's going to come back just fine. Don't worry about that one. It doesn't seem like cold bothers it at all. If anything, you need to really cut it back to get it back under control. Uh, Russian sage can be kind of weedy. Kind of comes back and, and it spreads on you, can seed over you. So kind of be aggressive with some of those. Butterfly bush be another one. You need to kind of reset it. Really be aggressive on those. Let it come back. It's, you can't prune it too early. You can prune it too late. Or you can't prune it not enough. So some of these things we cover in the garden classes. In fact, we hang out after the garden classes just to answer questions like this. People, they'll bring their iPads, garden notes. We just hang out and talk gardening for as long as people want. The first class is coming up January 6th. No, 16th. Excuse me, 16th. 9.30, it's on houseplants. Then we go over. Oh, i got to come up. Let me see if I got this real quick. Then we go over. Here we go. Um, healthy Designs. That's the 23rd. And then Wildflowers, the 30th. And it keeps going every Saturday through spring at 9.30. We'll have a garden class and just talk gardening. We'll hang out as long as you want. Bring your questions. Bring your concerns. Bring your design. Some people bring their full-on architecture plans. Well, now's the time to do that because we've got time to actually sit down with you to think this thing through. But throughout the week, Lisa and I camp out here at Waters Garden Center, and we love talking to fans of the show. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Not everyone can grow wildflowers, but we'll make sure you're not one of them. At Waters, we know which wildflowers sprout, thrive, and bloom with success. We're wild about wildflowers with many of our own Arizona blends. Like our Arizona native mix, butterfly and hummingbird mixes, and all are big, bold, and beautiful. At Waters, we know wildflowers, and winter's a season to spread new seed. Waters Garden Center, where people who love their flowers wild, they love to shop for seed. As the days get longer and brighter, houseplants can struggle and scorch, but we have the solution. At Waters, we've organized our houseplants from A to Z for the brightest of sunny locations, many even bloom. With experts that know plants and how to make them grow. Shipments of the freshest houseplants in town have just arrived from A to Z and ready for a bright new home. Waters Garden Center, where people who love bright green houseplants, they love to shop, found in Prescott. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.